We're turning to Psalm number 37, title the Psalm of David, one of the Psalms attributed uh, to King David, of course, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, like all of the Scriptures. We're reading uh, the first 24 verses. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster they will not wither, In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty, but the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The beginning of a new year, people are wishing one another a happy new year or some version of that, or assuring folk of their prayers for them, that the Lord will bless them, in a new year. And of course we trust that the new year will bring times of joy, uh, times of happiness. But we know too that a new year will bring other kinds of times, times of testing, perhaps hard times, difficult times in various ways. And yet Christians somehow seem to be surprised quite often when they encounter difficult times. 
when there are the times of illness or loss or disappointment or failure, Christians seem sometimes to be surprised by that. And maybe they begin to to complain about their circumstances, become resentful. Why is, is God allowing this or why is God doing this? If I've been living a godly life, have I been seeking to be faithful to the Lord? Why am I facing these difficulties and these hardships? Should it not be easier for a Christian? And we may at times feel overwhelmed by the experiences that come to us and the, uh, the things that we have to face. Maybe we feel at our limit. Maybe you feel sometimes beyond your limit. And what you have to cope with. And yet we need to remember the pattern that we see in Scripture of how the Lord works in the lives of his people. One great commentator in the Bible is Matthew Henry. You'll have heard of him. Matthew Henry says, Christ went by the cross to the crown. And we must not think of going any other way. Matthew Henry's making the soundly biblical point that the pattern of the Lord for his people is that we will reach the crown, and we certainly will. But it will be by the means of a cross. There will be the hard, testing, difficult times. And we have the promise of the Lord himself in John 16 and 33. In the world, you will have tribulation. It's kind of promise perhaps we'd prefer not to have, but it is the Lord's word to us. Hard, difficult times will come. We're not for a moment minimizing the times of joy, the easy times we praise God for them. But hard and difficult times are not an exception for the Christian. The varieties of so-called Christian teaching that suggest if you just have enough faith, then everything will go smoothly and you'll be spared the hardships isn't biblical at all. It's the Lord's pattern of working in all his children. And so the Lord's people need much encouragement in the face of the hard experiences of life. And that is always to be a prominent part of a preaching ministry. There are preachers who perhaps temperamentally incline towards the condemning sin and the exposing failure. And there's a proper place for that. But the preacher needs to be encouraging the Lord's people. They need much encouragement. We all do. I want to turn to words we read in Psalm 37 a short time ago in our service. I want to focus our thoughts on verses 23 and 24. Psalm 37 at verse 23. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. We're thinking in these verses of how the Lord upholds. It's our theme 
this morning. The Lord upholds. And we see first, as we look at these verses, the condition. The condition. Because there is a condition here, and it's important that we understand it. The focus of the verse is on the Lord. And that is vital for the Christian, that we keep our focus on the Lord. Because in difficulties, in afflictions, in hard times, the temptation often is to focus on ourselves and on what we are having to endure and how difficult it is to get through these experiences. And then we can slip into neglecting the Lord, leaving him out of the picture and thinking only of our hardships. And in those difficult testing times, we do sometimes neglect the means of grace God's given us, spending time in his word, giving ourselves to prayer. And those perhaps slip out of our minds and we become focused only on the problems and the difficulties and the hardships. And we lose our focus on the Lord. These verses remind God's people that even when we stumble, we think more about that in a minute or two, but even the stumbling of Christians is embraced within the sovereign purpose of God. That nothing that comes to us is outside the plan and purpose of our Father in heaven. We're not suggesting we always understand what it is he's doing in the experiences he leads us through. But we can have the assurance and hold on to the assurance that nothing that comes is outside the sovereign purpose of the Lord. And the hope that these verses give us as Christians is based on the fact that nothing that we pass through, nothing that will come to us in 2020 or in any other year, is beyond the power of the Lord to deal with. There's nothing that will take him by surprise, nothing unforeseen, but it's all embraced by his plan and his sovereign providence. It's the Lord, we are told, who makes our steps firm. Not by our efforts, our wisdom, our cleverness, or whatever it may be. It's the Lord who makes the steps of his people firm. And that is a great assurance for us to have right at the outset of our study, at the outset of a new year. To be reminded that the hard experiences that will come, whatever form they take, don't have to be faced in our own strength. Perhaps if we knew what lay ahead of us this year, we'd say, I can't face it. I'll not be able to cope. 
And if you face it on your own, that might well be the case. It might well be that you'd be overwhelmed. But the child of God is the assurance that whatever comes, we're not dealing with it alone. And in whatever form the troubles and the trials and the tests come to us, they're from the hand of a sovereign God our Lord, and we can rest in that assurance. But there is a condition that's implied in verse 23, the opening words of the verse, if the Lord delights in a man's way, so it's put in the NIV. There's a requirement that's placed on us if we are to enjoy the Lord's help and the Lord's upholding. The psalmist is not saying, live any way you like, and the Lord will still make it okay for you. not saying that. If the Lord delights in a man's way, the life that we are living is vitally important. It must be one in which the Lord delights. But what does that mean? What's that telling us? Well, Psalm 147 and verse 10 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him. Our lives as the Lord's people are to be lived in reverent, joyful submission to the Lord and to the Lord's will. The Lord delights in those who walk in that way. And the verse is ambiguous. Literally it says, when he delights in his way. Who is the he and the his? It could be suggesting to us uh, that it's when we delight in the Lord's way that we are upheld. Our delight in him. And that too is thoroughly biblical. The Lord delights in those who delight in his way, who delight in him in fellowship with the Lord. That's why we're exhorted uh, in verse 4 of the psalm, delight yourself in the Lord. And if you are the kind of person who delights in the Lord, who finds joy and satisfaction in fellowship with God, in worshiping God, in obeying God's law, the Lord delights in your way. The two go together. We delight in the Lord, and the Lord delights in us. It's not suggesting, of course, that by obedience we earn God's blessing and we earn God's help. We're not to say to ourselves, well, if I obey God well enough, he'll help me. That's not what the scriptures tell us. We don't earn the blessing of the Lord. But how we live is important. To live a life in which the Lord delights, a life that loves fellowship with God, that loves to obey him, that puts us in the place of blessing. It puts us in the place where the Lord will help us. This help will come out of his love 
and his grace towards us. To have a sense of self-sufficiency, I don't need anybody. I can cope with whatever comes. And you hear people with that kind of attitude, to have that attitude is to cut yourself off from God's help and God's provision. How could we expect to have the Lord's help if we live our lives ignoring him the rest of the time? For some people, it seems God is like a life belt or a life boy that you see sometimes along the beaches. And they're there and you're grateful they're there. And you think, if there's an emergency, it'll be good to have that, but I really hope I never do need it. And I probably won't. And for some people, that's how they want to treat God. Nice to know he's there. If there's an emergency, they'll maybe pray and ask for his help, but they hope they'll never need him. And in their heart of hearts, they think they won't need him. God won't be treated like that. He's not a life belt. He's not there for emergencies and stays out of your way the rest of the time. That's not the kind of God he is. And he won't be treated like that. And if you're no concern to live for the Lord, how can you expect to have his help and his upholding in the hard times? There's a condition. To live a life by God's grace and help in which he delights. A God-centered life. The condition. But then there's the promise. The promise. And verse 24 gives us a precious, encouraging promise. Though he stumble, he will not fall. And there are two things very obviously in those words. The first, we're told we will stumble. We will stumble. ESV puts, though he fall. It's not a remote possibility. We're not being told that maybe very occasionally you might stumble. We're being reminded that we will stumble. It's a reality for all of the Lord's people. Now, we're not thinking here, and the psalmist is not thinking here, of how as Christians we do stumble and fall into sin. That's another issue. That's dealt with in other parts of Scripture. That's not the sort of stumbling that's in view. It's not falling into sin, failing to stand up to temptation. And the Lord, of course, has provided a means of dealing with that. No, these are the kind of stumblings, the fallings we encounter in the course of life as a result of our circumstances, our experiences, the things that we pass through in the, in the providence of God. And we're not immune as Christians from the hard experiences that come simply because we live in a fallen world. Christians don't live their lives floating six inches above uh, the, the earth, untouched by what happens in the world. Of course they're not. Christians go through the same kinds of tough times that others do. 
Christians get sick. Christians die. Christians lose their mental faculties. Christians experience material hardships and unemployment. Christians encounter broken relationships, failures, disappointments, hopes that aren't realized. All of those things can come to the Lord's people. We're not immune to them just because we're Christians. Yet sometimes it seems Christians feel obliged to pretend they don't have troubles and problems. As if they were letting God down to admit hard times. But they come. You think of Job. It wasn't because of any sin in Job's life that he went through the tremendous trials that he experienced. You think of the Apostle Paul to take a New Testament example. You think of the thorn in the flesh that he describes in 2 Corinthians 12. Was it an illness of some kind? I think it probably was. But simply being a Christian doesn't spare you the troubling, the hard, the difficult times. Things that come not because of any personal sin, anything that we have done, but they come in the providence of God. And we're living in a fallen world, and we share the experiences that come to everybody in such a world. And then, of course, there are the the trials that come to us because we're Christians. For the Christian, there's an extra dimension. Because of our faith, we are in a spiritual battle, the battle that Paul describes in Ephesians 6. There's a warfare going on, and if you're a Christian, you are in the front line. And we are the objects of the world's hatred. Jesus warns us of that very vividly in John 15. He tells us that if the world hated him, do not be surprised if the world hates you. We cannot expect better treatment than our Savior received. And so as Christians, there are all kinds of pressures on us because of our faith. Opposition, hostility, it might be in a workplace, it might be in your family, with those who who don't understand your faith and are baffled by the way you live. And of course, for brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, violent persecution is a daily reality. There are brothers and sisters living with the realization that they could be imprisoned, they could be beaten up, they could face death for Jesus' sake. I read recently of the, uh, the believers in Nigeria who were executed because of their faith, and that's not exceptional. Indeed, the history of the Christian church shows us that that's a common experience of the Lord's people. These are troubles that come because of our Christian faith. And all of these things can lead Christians to stumble. To be downcast. To be discouraged, perplexed, questioning. Is there any Christian who hasn't asked at some point 
Why? Why is the Lord doing this? Why is the Lord allowing this in my life, in the life of a loved one, a friend, whatever it may be? Why? We stumble in, in various ways. And those stumbles come to all of God's people. When we, we don't understand, when we don't know what the Lord is doing, and we're perplexed, we wonder what's happening. We will stumble. But praise God, the verse doesn't stop there. Because the promise is given, we will not be overcome. We will not be overcome. He will not fall, uh, the NIV puts it. Or the ESV, if you're using it. He will not be cast headlong. That's quite a vivid uh, way of putting it. You may stumble, but you'll not fall on your face, we might paraphrase it. Stumbles of the Lord's people will not be final. They'll not be permanent. Although in God's providence, believers may struggle, stumble when we encounter hard times and have our questions and we wonder, we don't know how we're going to go on sometimes. Here's the great assurance that we will not finally be overwhelmed by whatever the Lord brings into our lives. Maybe troubles that we have foreseen, it may be troubles that we could not have imagined. But the Lord's people will not be overwhelmed. We will not be cast headlong. We will not be overwhelmed by them. And that gives us great reassurance, particularly perhaps in the times when going forward just seems too much for us. Perhaps you know times like that, when it just seems too difficult to keep going. The assurance of Psalm 37, 24 is the Lord will not allow you to be overwhelmed by whatever the troubles are. Though you stumble, you will not fall for good. And through the trials, we know the Lord does prune his people. Jesus describes it in that way in in John 15, where the branches that are being pruned by the Lord so that we will be more fruitful. And it is purposeful. What the Lord permits to come into our lives isn't random or accidental without rhyme or reason. The Lord has a purpose. James 1.3 that we looked at not so very long ago, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Whatever the Lord permits is purposeful. And it is never his purpose to destroy his children. We can be sure of that. Whatever comes, his goal is not to crush us. It is not to destroy us. And here's a promise to recall in the times, maybe when we don't understand what God's doing. And we've no inkling what it is His providence is working out in our lives. 
Though we stumble, we will. We will not fall, we'll not be cast headlong. We'll not be overwhelmed. The condition, the promise. And finally, there's the security. The security. Verse 24, with this wonderful promise that we have thought of, turns our thoughts back to the Lord. Keep our eyes fixed on him. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. That's why we can take that promise seriously. There are promises that are made and they're not kept. Maybe the person wasn't able to keep them. Maybe the promise wasn't sincere in the first place. The promise of God. He is able to keep and he will keep it. The Lord upholds him with his hand. Not because of the strength of our faith that we trust in the promise. Depending on how strong our faith was, you know and I know sometimes we'd just be swept away. It's because of the one who's promised his strength, his provision. That's what's crucial. Here is a God who promises and who is worthy of our complete trust. His hand. And that immediately reminds us of God's power. Power that's able to hold us up experience sometimes how difficult it can be to hold someone up or if they've fallen to get them up on their feet again. Sometimes almost impossible. Here's the hand of God when we've stumbled who with infinite power lifts us up, upholds his people. It's the power that upheld our Saviour right to the point of completing his work on the cross. That's the power that's available to us as his people, the power that upheld the Lord Jesus Christ, right to the moment when he could say it is finished. It's complete. And that power upholds us as the Lord's people. The Saviour now, who, as we are told in Ephesians 1.22, is head over everything for the benefit of his church. And it's his hand, the nail-marked hand, that upholds us in the trials and in the hard times. That's the hand. The hand of the one who loved you and gave himself for you. His hand upholds us. It's power and it's love and it's grace. We're reminded by Paul in Romans 8.32 that he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things. Love and grace. He'll withhold no good thing, as we sang in Psalm 84, 11. 
So we can rest in the assurance that the Lord will uphold us. There's our security. Not anything in us and not anything in the world. It's a place of insecurity and uncertainty. Our security is in the Lord who gives this great promise and he'll never fail us. Nothing will come that's beyond the strength of that hand. Nothing will come that will surprise the Lord as he upholds us. Whatever his providence brings, his hand will ensure that we will not finally fall. We may have questions and doubts, perplexity and struggle. But he will not allow us to fall finally. He will bring us through the trials, the struggles. We pass through the dark valley of Psalm 23. The Lord is with us. And all the strength and grace and protection that we need is there for us. So that we can live faithfully as the Lord's children, that we can delight in him and he delights in us. And so even when we stumble, we won't finally fall because his hand upholds us. Verses that are full of encouragement for the Christian, the Lord's people, they're for you today. If you know and love the Lord, here's his assurance for this new year. He'll uphold you. He'll never fail you. Of course, if you're not a Christian, if you're not trusting in Christ as your Savior, then you can't have that assurance. However much you would like it, you can't have it. It's for the children of God, for those in whom the Lord delights, but it could be yours. It could be yours even today if you trust in Christ your Savior and your Lord. Here is the promise of God to all those who belong to him. We stumble and we will. In the hard times that will come, his hand upholds us. And that delivers us from the burdens, the fears that fill the hearts of so many around us. For the Lord's people, he will not fail us. He cannot fail us. And whatever comes, he'll uphold us. And we can go forward to serve him and glorify him. May the Lord apply the promise to the hearts of his people today to give us strength and grace and comfort.